It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Josie alongside Spencer's here. Man, we got a busy day today. Yeah, we got a busy day. We got sports to watch, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to so get through the talking so hard we get to the Slinger game. Absolutely. I don't know why. I mean, the Sixers going to win anyway. What do you mean they're going to win? They're, they're going to win. Your boy LeBron, no. I mean. Well, being like, yo, my backer can't play no more. Some of y'all coaching. <laughs> Some of y'all, uh, that's interesting. So last podcast we had Melanie on talking about um, health and fitness. How do you think that went? I think we went well. I think Mel, she expressed a, a lot of concerns, especially with the mentality part mm-hmm. um, that people have. And, and according to, like, like fitness and training, I mean, and, and part of, you know, being able to perform in any sport, you got to have a good diet. Right. Right. I don't have one. That's probably why I'm going to tell you. I like Doritos. You, you like Doritos? I like Doritos and, and soda. I'm not giving that up. Two liter sodas and all that stuff. Well, right, how are you going to bring Doritos and two liter sodas to a health and fitness podcast? How did that, uh, why, why did you think that was a good idea? We have to provide good props for people to know what they're not supposed to have. Oh, uh, I got you. Now, now I'm going to have this a little later on. Uh-huh. But, but again, this is don't how you said, don't do what I do. Do as I tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, makes yeah. sense. Okay, <laughs> I guess. Um, but it was all about mentality there, mm-hmm. like you said, and then and it goes back to what we always talk about having a why. Yes. And then you need to have a why before you even um, even set a goal. Mm-hmm. So once you get that why, set that goal, but more importantly, enjoy the process because I know it's hard. I know it's hard enjoying going to the gym, working out, yes. and eating right. Yes. But you got to find some sort of enjoyment in it. This is why people quit professional sports. <laughs> it's not because of the game. Not because it's of the what game. you do in the offseason. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. So um, that was a decent podcast. Like I said, the month of February, we're going to focus on health and fitness and sports and things of that nature. And then I think April, we're going to switch over. I'm, I want to mm-hmm. do music. We haven't done that yet. You want to do music? I want to go to genre of music you talking about? I don't know. We're going to find some people that can sing, rap. I don't know, country. I don't care what it is. I want to talk music next okay. month. We're going to do that. Right. We haven't done it yet. So. You're going to do music? All right, yeah. let's do music then. All right. So we are at Rowan University. Yes, um, yes. Uh, first person I'm going to introduce is the brother to me. He was on the podcast. Actually, your first podcast. Yes, he was absolutely. On the, uh, yes. It's a Man's World podcast. Yes. Um, dropped some gems on there. Actually, he was on a podcast before. We talked about mindset, too. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, my brother, Demetrius Pose, how you doing, sir? I'm yes. good. Good to see you guys. Good, yes. uh, good, good. So here, uh, Rowan Coach. Uh, we also have in the building somebody I'm proud to say that I played against in high school and held 12 <laughs> points. I don't think anybody else was able to do that because this guy could shoot like it was Nobody's business. So he was Steph Curry. I'm talking about when you walk in the gym, you better cover him because he's shooting from there. Steph Curry. Yeah. That's what he is. He's he, Steph Curry. He's the original Steph Curry. Okay. <laughs> Joe Crispin. I, 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 I played like it at least. I might have thought like it. That is funny. Welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. Thanks for uh, We finally got it together and mm-hmm. we've been talking about it for a while. And, um, you know, we're here. Uh, we're going to talk sports psychology. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, this fun, be fun time. But before we get to that, um, mm-hmm. tell the people a little bit about your background, and then we'll go to Demetrius, so just a little bit about who you are. Well, I grew up in nearby Pittman, um, went to Pittman High School. Uh, it was, it was the basketball was kind of in the veins. I had my uh, grandfather was a coach, uncle was a coach, dad was a coach, kind of grew up in the gym, um, and was a pretty driven individual to get better. Uh, so when you mentioned the topic of this, it's like, uh, you know, I had to learn a lot on sports psychology because I was driving myself crazy a lot of times trying to get better, get better huh? trying to keep up, trying to score more than 12 <laughs> um, and, and get where I wanted to go in basketball. I uh, ended up at Penn State, spent four years there and then spent 11 years professionally mm. uh, playing the game, learning the game. And, and uh, I always tell people in my professional career, I suffered a lot mm. um, in some good ways and some ways that I, it wasn't fun, but right. I learned a lot through it. Um, and it's, it's helped me a lot as a coach. I got you. So we're going to take a journey back to when you were younger again, your mentality when you were younger, and then how it progressed. We'll get back to that in a second. Uh, Demetrius, a little bit about you. I know you've been on the podcast, but we do got a lot more listeners now since the first couple <laughs> so, uh, Some people might not know who you are. Um, went to Delcy High School. Uh, was a high school All-American by my senior year. Won the state's senior year. Uh, went to St. Joe's after that for three years. Uh, transferred out of there after some health problems, then came back home to Rowan, and I ended up starting for the national championship team in 1996. Hmm. Um, then after that, I went over overseas for about 17 years, lived in Sweden, played all around the world, 
many different cultures, mm. met a lot of different people. Right. Got a chance to coach the Swedish national team. It was your basket coach of the year in 2013. Oh. And now I'm back home. Back home. Yeah. Back in the borough. That's awesome. That's nice. So let's go back. I want to go back to, let's say, middle school, freshman year, and high school. And uh, I think that's when you start to see a separation between athletes from a mental standpoint. Uh, walk us through how you would prepare yourself for a game practice. Like, what was your mentality back then? Uh, was it just the game that you enjoyed to play, or you just knew that this was something that I just needed to get better at? I mean, I always loved the game. Uh, I think, though, probably about that time, I was really, really had to drive in, in high gear uh, mm. to perform. Um, and I think that developmentally, you know, now that I know what I know, it made sense. You know, you're at the point developmentally where you can, you know, work to work right. instead of just working because it's fun and playing the game or whatever. I was at that point pretty quickly. Um, and I'd say, you know, I wasn't always very positive. I mean, I was a very... Um, driven um, individual and I would kind of drive myself with a lot of negative energy mm. uh, early on because I I wasn't good enough as mm. far as I was concerned so my overarching thought and work ethic was driven of like you ain't there yet mm. you ain't there yet you ain't there yet and I was probably right right but um, that probably lasted a little too long because you know I did have some things mm-hmm. um, even then um, but there was this kind of weird mix of like you're not good enough but then an also a belief right. of like I can do this was that so were you in your own head or was there someone else that was kind of like less I was odd I was really self-driven mm-hmm. um, you know, my dad wasn't shy about reminding me I wasn't good enough, in and in not in a negative way, okay. though. Not in a negative way. He was a coach, uh-huh. and he would he would share his thoughts, but and he really wasn't in a negative way. But uh, really, it was it was me. Um, there was nobody. I mean, and I always say like I, I've been I was a blessed individual mm. in that my I didn't have any outside pressure. Mm. I didn't have my dad breathing down my neck. You know, I got these kids today that it's like there's outside pressure man and I would have lost my mind right you know my dad was a coach he said listen if you want to be good you can be good go for it right and if you don't I don't care mm. it's not gonna bother me one way or another right. Right. and that looking back on it that that's a good gift I mean right. I had a lot of coaches around me that were putting pointing me in the right direction because I, I was driving myself hard enough right. that's right. the way it happened so how did, how did you handle like dad versus coach like because that sometimes get mixed up yeah, he was pretty good. Um, he we coached us both my brother and I early on, um, like elementary school, like in the middle school helping out. Um, but then in the high school, he was more dad than coach, mm-hmm. and he was really good at like, hey, I'll take you to the gym, tell me what you need, and then I'll step back. Um, I think he was a really, you know, and I I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he he wouldn't talk yet right away he'd be better at it than I am already mm. my kids <laughs> and he was really good at separating that mm-hmm. so especially when it mattered most being in high school mm. if I crossed the line mm-hmm. you know we got some stories and me and my brother on here he'll mm-hmm. tell you some stories <laughs> if we crossed the line the coach would come out mm-hmm. um, in a good way but on the whole uh, he was really good at that in the, in the sense of like no 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 he stepped back he wouldn't say anything during the games mm-hmm. and the coach is the coach and you do what he says, and I think he's letting you probably do it too much, actually, right. which was my, my head coach. Um, so it wasn't as hard, and okay. that was to his credit, right. probably more than mine. Right. Now, Demetrius, the, what was it like for you? Um, I kind of obviously was there to witness a lot of it, and I just felt like the guys that you were playing with, everyone just loved the game, and everyone was good at it. Um, but what was your mentality early on? Well, early on, I just played because I enjoyed playing. Right. I, I really enjoyed uh, growing up with the guys you grew up with. Everybody was competitive. Mm-hmm. And it was like we watched Magic Johnson, Moses Malone, and mm-hmm. those guys. And we wanted to go outside and be like and be that. Be like that, yeah. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And and um, I like Larry Bird more than I let you guys know. <laughs> He's one of my favorite players. He's Bird? a killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a Sixers fan, but Bird was... Mm-hmm. He got the ball. You, you, you know. Right. You're, Doc you're choked st- him out. Doc couldn't take it no more. <laughs> he did, he, he did choke him out. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he did. But, but when he got the ball and it was oh, the game was on the line, you mm-hmm. didn't want to look at the right. TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. But you know, growing up, it was just more of a 
it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was competitive playing with you guys, playing with all us growing up, mm-hmm. and, and um, it, it, I just liked it. I, I didn't really have aspirations like, oh, I'm going to the NBA. It wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a selfish player, mm-hmm. so I, and that's kind of my personality mm-hmm. as well. But it, it, it was just just having fun and competitive and, and seeing what I can do next, trying new, new things was, a, was always a challenge. Mm. So let me ask this, because you I told you again? 6'8". Now, you think you would have liked it so much if you weren't 6'8", if you were like 5'11"? Uh, yeah, I could, because I could pass the ball. <laughs> oh, you're going to distribute. Yeah, okay. okay. I could pass the hell out of the ball. <laughs> but, so but, okay, now, is it more fun for you dunking or shooting a three? Shooting a three. I remember the South Jersey with the the All Star games and uh, they have mm-hmm. they had and they asked me to be in a dunk competition mm-hmm. and I was not happy. I mean, by my senior year, I shot a pretty good percentage from three. It was okay. forty one to forty three percent from three point line. That's not bad for somebody my size. Mm. So I wanted to show those skills. Like dunking was just easy. Did you dunking find it to be easy? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with it. It's only worth two anyway, so I was, I was ready to let those guys have a fun. I want to launch from deep. They're going to shoot them three. Launch from deep. I want those numbers to add up. <laughs> that is too funny. Um, just, you know, our story and everything, I like the fact that with the people that we grew up with, it was kind of like, and I use you in my speeches a lot, too, and I say, uh, he's 6'8", mm-hmm. left-hander. Like, no, no, he's the one that's mm-hmm. going to probably make it. So. Derek Cohen. Right. South Jersey. Right. So we're going to play basketball every mm-hmm. day. We're, I remember shoveling snow, snow off the court to play basketball. Uh-huh. Yep. Put the, the lights did. on the, the court of the car to play yep. basketball. Yep. Um, but I just think the group of people that we hung around, we supported each other. But we, I think we loved the game, but I think we did it more so that you would practice more so that you'd be the one that gets to go and, and do the things that you need to do. Well, you guys did push me. You did push me. And it was, I mean, I really appreciate that. There's not a lot of... Mm-hmm youth that age thinking that way mm-hmm. um, but it, it was just I love competition and you guys did you guys did push me I remember not being able to dunk you guys were teasing me <laughs> <laughs> I remember you're that too, you're too big not yeah, to be dunked uh, oh yeah I remember that but, uh, but it was a challenge and yeah. you know, we all like challenges and right. that's something I tried to do for was you know try to dunk mm-hmm. and just make shut you guys up <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I dunked it and, that, and then as I got older I started dunking on two or three guys at one time okay. and they were like okay that's okay. enough <laughs> you gonna break the rim you ain't gonna be able to play no yeah. <laughs> well I'll say this showing up with your own five and you got somebody that's 6'8 it gives everybody a whole lot of confidence even the guys that didn't play that well yeah. so like I'm a star now oh, yeah. it's gotta get the ball, ball. Yeah, have to throw it up <laughs> They got beat defensively. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what called me for help early. Help. So how has the game prepared you for life off the court? Like how? I, for me, I mean, it's it, it. It was everything. Like you know, this my sense of competition, my sense of loyalty, my my work ethic. Mm-hmm. All that things kind of played in, you know, and transcend off the court. So how did it help you off the court? Well, I mean, I'm still doing a lot of the same things I've always been doing. You know, I'm still coaching. It's like we did the – I always tell people, like, my years for 20 years revolved around basketball season Mm -hmm. and and really how I could improve and take the game to the next level and all this other stuff. And like like Demetrius said, early on, it's kind of – it's different now, sadly, for a lot of youth. But in our time, it was – Organic. Mm-hmm. It's with your friends. Sure, and it's, sure was. Yeah, I'll try that. And I saw that on TV. And there was no trainers. There was mm-hmm. no nothing. Uh-huh. And, and it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe I can do that too. And you tinker with it on the playgrounds. Right. Um, but then as you get older, now you're learning how to work to work. Now you're learning how to persevere through some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't really feel like it, but I do want this goal. So I'm going to do what I got to do today. Mm-hmm. And then usually, like in life, um, once you get going, all of a sudden, you're at the park for three hours. Right. You know, um, you didn't want to be there at first. Right. You want to play the Nintendo, um, which we weren't allowed to have, my brother and I, thankfully. But then all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're putting the work in. And right. then all of a sudden, you're part of a team, and you're trying to build something. You know, mm. I went to Pittman High School. We stunk. Mm. There's no getting around it. And our aspirations were to win an, uh, a state championship. And, you know, I had a coach that, that had those aspirations. I had some good athletes. Mm. We're trying to build something. We're trying to overcome these hurdles. We're trying to do it together. And some days we didn't like each other. Mm. Some days we were boys, but we were yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's life. Mm. That's, yeah, that's anywhere you go. And, and sadly, 
for a lot of kids nowadays, they, they don't get that. Mm. They don't understand that. And what we thought was normal, and you win a state championship. How's that happen with conflict and mm, with working right. together and working hard through some barriers and yep. running mm. extra sprints and mm. putting in the work? I mean, that's the same thing we're doing. It just might go by some different different names. We're mm. not running the sprints anymore, but we're hopping in the car to go recruit instead. Right, mm. right. Wow. What about you? Well, I, I, I think a lot of it, the, one of the biggest things that, that reflects just playing basketball, playing sports is you have to learn to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, that's on and off the court. Um, you have to give some things where you're not used to giving, and, and sometimes you have to take some things you're not used to taking. You have to be selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so it reflects, it goes back and forth. Basketball is a mirror of life. Mm-hmm. You get these challenges, you get on the court and you get them to practice, challenges with yourself and with your own limits mm-hmm. and everything on and off the court. So you, you get to learn how to, how to that mentality of okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm weak at something. I got to realize, and I got to bounce back, and I got to fight through it, and I got to mm-hmm. you know just keep moving forward right. and try to stay positive. Because when you you know I want we I won a lot. I like to, I like to say we. I mean, you won mm-hmm. to high school, you win to college, and then you win as a as a professional. You start to learn. You start to figure out some things, and you start to figure out how to be persistent and not mm-hmm. give up. Mm-hmm. You know anything on and off the court. Right. Do you think that comes from your support system like really early, even before you're at the middle school level where you have someone that's continuing not allowing you to quit? Because quitting, it becomes like a habit. Comes a habit, mm-hmm. absolutely. Two words, Linda Carter. Linda Carter? It's <laughs> <laughs> my mom. Miss I mean, Carter wasn't going to play that. No, <laughs> no. no. And you know, we were all welcome to the house every day, all day. Yeah. But there's no disrespect. It was clean. It was, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. Staying your limits, no cursing in the house, and mm-hmm. no acting like a you know a butthole mm-hmm. and everything, and that's the way I was raised. Mm-hmm. So it, it did start before that, but I mean that's that's necessary. You have to be mm-hmm. raised like that. I'm doing the same thing to my kids. You, mm-hmm. I'm kind of tough for my kids, but you know they appreciate it because mm-hmm. it transfers to everything else in your life. So, okay. so now you guys are coaches. You're dealing with a whole different animal of young people because they're completely different than what we grew up in. Um, and what I found in, you know, in the education field is that people don't like to lose. So how do you get that message across to your, your, your players that you're going to fail, but you need to be able to overcome those things? Because my, my assumption is when, especially the young people, they don't like to lose and they'll do things like quit mm-hmm. and then they'll blame somebody else. No one takes responsibility for, for their actions mm-hmm. anymore. Oh, <laughs> so how do you guys deal with that now? Uh, it's systemic. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Like, it, it, it is systemic. It's so hard. Like You feel like one of these old people, like when I was young, and you're like, but it's true. Like, and, you know, I think there's so many reasons it's happened. I mean, you think about the, our conversation right here. We've talked about the playground as much as anything else. These kids don't have playgrounds, and they don't have safe places to fail oftentimes. So, like, instead of going to the, the playground and playing pick up the seven, and kicking your buddy off the court because he's being annoying that day, mm. you have to go to a weekend tournament, and the coach is yelling at you, so you play great on this Saturday, so you get the right game time on a Sunday. It's a total different environment for mm. these kids, and I think there's a, there's a lot of they, – they often haven't been given safe places to fail, mm. um, or they haven't been encouraged that failure is normal. It like, is normal. Yes. It's the way to learn, yes. right? you know? Like, even when I run youth practices – uh, one of my run practices here at Ron, I say, guys, like my practices are designed to help you fail more. Mm. That's just the only way to learn. So, yeah, mm. the, yeah, you messed up. So what? Mm. Let's go. And even I, I've reached a point as a coach where it's like I want you to even fail emotionally. Because, mm. you, you know, oftentimes you can be stifled emotionally and you don't think it's okay to lose it once in a while or, or to, to kind of live on the edge on the court and, and, and let your emotions go yeah, a little right. bit. Um, even failure there is okay. Like right. I, I, I've, I'm working to create the best failure environment possible mm-hmm. because from a psychological standpoint, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just nonstop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you messed up. So what? Let's go. Messed up. So what? Let's right. go. Go win the game. Yeah. That happened. So, so what? Go yeah. win the game. Right. That's, and there's not, there's a lot less of it. Right. Um, and the things that I thought were normal and what I thought was normal, uh, kids today 
are just, that's not their normal. Mm. Um, and I thought I just thought it was normal to have conflict on a team. I thought it was normal to tell your buddy to shut up because right. I used to tell my brother that all the time. Right. And I thought it was normal to just have a guy on the team that you didn't like, right. but you needed. Right. You know, I thought that was normal. It is normal. It is. But somehow the environment we have today in education and in sports is like that's not supposed to be the norm. Right. And there's probably a thousand different reasons for it, but. It's there. Yeah, it's hundred percent there. All right. For me, it was losing on the basketball court was irrelevant because my life was so much tor- turmoil. I had lost mm-hmm. so much, you know, in life. Basketball, that that L right there really didn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I, did, I, did I hate losing? Yeah, mm-hmm. but the big loss was when I had to go home and deal with what I had to deal with. Um, so I, what I struggle with now as a parent, though, um, I create a lifestyle that they don't have to worry about the things that I had to go through. But I have to manufacture failure for them or systems that they can feel some failures because it's going to come. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to be able to deal with it um, as a parent. Um, well, I have five. And we, my wife and I talk about it all the time. We're comfortable. My kids are comfortable. We are looking for failure. Right. We are looking for We are searching it out. Right. And we are saying, oh, yeah. You think that? What we're saying, that wasn't good enough. Right. Deal with it. Like right. emotional. Oh, you, you, you forgot your homework? That's on you. Mm-hmm. Like... They need it mm-hmm. um, because even still, it's like, no, 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 I, don't, I, I want to email a teacher. Don't give them extra credit. Right. No. They need to know there's consequences to this. And this, they're third grade. They're fourth grade. It's safe. No problem. Mm-hmm. No, you sound, do have to pursue it. It sounds like you sabotaged them and taking the homework out of the book bag. You get them early in the morning. <laughs> like, take out, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know what's going on. Said, I told you. <laughs> All I know is if they forgot it, I'm saying tough beans. You know what I mean? You know, I'm saying we'll walk to school because it's cold out. I don't know. I'm not giving you a ride. Go. You need to get tougher. Um, and a lot of that flows from you know my experience now as a coach. You're like, yeah, all right. You, you, I need you to be. I don't want you to be somebody who's tough. And then, isn't it the product, though? When you live in a, in a wealthier society mm-hmm. and you do better socioeconomically, everyone gets softer. Mm-hmm. It's just a fact of life. Yeah, true, you true. see that. It's like life is easier. Everyone gets softer, whether it be adversity. We, we, also, we, we tend to think that all of a sudden, like, life is supposed to be cruise control. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from because it's never been true in, in so the history true. of the world. Yeah. And, you know... We do. We have nice, comfortable lives. Mm. We go home and watch our 16-inch screen TVs and chill mm. it out. That That's 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 a different mm. life than most people, people living in the right. world, mm-hmm. and it's hard to know that. Right. Well, and, I, and I'll say this, and I'm glad you mentioned that, and that's part of the reason probably why we're being outworked. Yeah. We are being outworked by people that don't have as much. So now when they do show up at the court, they don't even have need to have the two hundred dollars sneakers. No, mm-hmm. just give me a pair of Converse's and I'm just gonna go ball out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you even when you look at the the European players that are coming over, like they've been working since the time they were thirteen playing professional yep. basketball, mm-hmm. and it shows in their it shows in their game. Like what's this guy Luka Doncic? The bo- both of us can tell you that firsthand. Yes, hundred percent. And it's a, it's an entire different culture. I mean the way they the way they grow up and what they instill and the freedoms they have even mm-hmm. to be a little bit old school because mm-hmm. nowadays if you go old school it's over mm-hmm. you're mean and you're bullying yeah. players yeah. and it's yeah. like oh my goodness yep. gracious mm-hmm. we are so soft mm-hmm. um, but that is what happens mm-hmm. we, we soften up and we gotta we just we don't have the opportunities mm-hmm. that we assumed mm-hmm. were normal in the past and now, now we're not the same mm-hmm. and our um, concept of work is just not what you know other countries see work and value work um, yep. and, and I think that we, we look for ways out of things a lot, just make our lives easier. We want to be comfortable, mm-hmm. so we, we kind of avoid work. We, even if you're successful, you get to a point where you feel like you can shut down and, like, I've made it now, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good. Uh, but I think our perception of work needs to, to change. And it, it, we talk about this all the time, enjoying the process, because mm-hmm. that's where really the work is, is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about the end mm-hmm. result. I'm, I'm, my work ethic has to be um, something that I'm proud of, and, and, and I like challenges. Mm-hmm. I like stepping outside of the comfort zone. But there's so many kids and youth today, and, and it's the parents' fault. Is they're you know they're trying to create that safety net for them. They're afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give them that, you know, you give them that safety net, they're not going to put in the work because mm-hmm. I know you're going to catch me. So mm-hmm. what, what's the point of me putting? Why, why even? Why do I need to go to school for what? Right. You gonna give me money anyway? I mean, why do I need to go? Well, for? it's in every. It, and I mean, I've heard it. I, I was talking to guys who were in construction just the other day, and they said we can't find guys who are in their young twenties to put in a good hard day's work. Mm-hmm. Wow. They're like, it's brutal. Wow. We have to let guys go all mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. and so it's not just in sports. It's not just in whatever. It mm-hmm. does become systemic, mm-hmm. and you know, 
work is a habit mm-hmm. and the ability to just push through barriers and think that's normal. Now, you know, one of the things I just on my personal standpoint, it's often and I often tell my team, what do you want? Like, what's your why? Like, where, mm-hmm. where are you going? What's your destination? <laughs> what, what do you want? Right. And then you got to ask, what do you want to give? Because when you're asked when you ask that question, what do you want to give? You find out how bad you want it. Because mm-hmm. everybody says, "Yeah, I want to go to the NBA," and I'm like, "No, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to go to the NBA." Like, I want to go to the NBA. I want to go to the NBA. Meaning, like, I'm skipping every dance. I'm doing everything else, and I'm in the gym right. six hours a night. You want to go to the NBA, like, like it's a golden ticket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not want to. That's right. like it would be nice to right. go on vacation kind of thing. Like, <laughs> So, you know, oftentimes everybody says, yeah, I want to do this. And I'm like, nah, nah, that's, I don't think you know what, what I mean. You right. don't want it like I want it, right. you know. So having a vision, right. um, you know, and then that internal drive to say, nah, I want it more than the next right. guy. And what do you want to do when you get there? Because to me, when you talk about success in general, obtaining success is the easy part. Maintaining mm-hmm. it is the hard part. 100%. Like once you get to the league, are now what? Now you're going against the best of the best of the world. Oh, that's often hard, man. I experienced that. You know, mm-hmm. when I got my first year in the NBA, it was like, oh shoot, because you, you know, I'm I'm the last guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. You got to bring it every single day, your mm-hmm. max. And then you got a veteran who's playing against you, who's on cruise control because mm-hmm. he can be. Mm-hmm. And ten years later, I was on cruise control in Europe, right. just enjoying it. I can do what I want. Um, so I understood how that felt. But once you get there, you're like. You're not there yet, mm. um, and you really got it. And I lost at one point, you know, probably three, four years in my career. I was ready to be done. Mm. I was burned out, hundred percent burned out, mentally, emotionally burned out on the mm. game. And if I give you a rundown of my first three seasons, you'll know why. I mean, it was one team to the next. It was failure. It was this. It was that. It was physical. Mm. And I'm just like, you lost my why. Mm. I didn't know um, why am I doing this, and I didn't have a whole lot of other options, so I had enough time to recover right. and find it again and know why I was doing it um, and kind of get in touch with the, the real game. Right. But when it becomes the other thing, too, on that topic is, like, in, in sports, so many parents want their kids to be like pros, mm. mm-hmm. and all the pros are like, dude, I just want to be a kid again. Kid again, yeah. Uh-huh. So you're, you're robbing kids of this process mm. to what it takes to be a pro. Mm-hmm. So... You're a pro. It's, it's your job. It's a have to. Mm-hmm. And when play is a have to, it's tough to be play. Not mm-hmm. It's not fun. Not fun. And, and I always tell kids, even in college, don't lose the fun. Don't lose the play. Right. Connect with the game on the level you always connected with the game. Even college basketball players are constantly just dragging. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like we make it into work. It doesn't need to need be to work. Be. You need to work hard. Right. But the end goal is to have more fun. Right. That's the end goal. And right. it's easy to lose touch with that. And in the pros, mm-hmm. it's a nonstop battle yes. to have fun. Mm-hmm. It's a battle to just connect with the game. But that's not what everybody sees. No. Everybody sees no. the NBA. Is the flash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they go to the men's league on a Wednesday night. <laughs> and it's like if they want to play or don't play, they're like, I could do this for a living. No, you can't. Not seven days a week, 365, and your body's hurting. It, it, when it's a have to, it's a different deal. I got a confession. I went to the Sixers game the other day. I was sitting like third row from the floor, and I was like, yo, I can still play with these guys. <laughs> I was like, really? That's, I, I, that's I what really they did to your mom? My brain is like, I can play with you. didn't work it that hard. Don't like they work well, you out. could. You could just lose. <laughs> yeah. Everybody could. Just wouldn't do it real well. It's tall. That's all. It's it's just, you look that fast to be Until somebody um, back bitch you. Yeah. <laughs> you get a pick. You're like, where did he come from? Uh, man. <laughs> you, your yeah, back is hurt. Yeah, yeah your back is hurt. So I, I often listen to, to Kobe in his documentary series that he has. And he said that one time when he was working out with the Greek Freak, he, he told the Greek freak exactly what you said. He said, you have to become a kid again. You have to be yeah. able to enjoy this. He said, don't think of this like a business, but think of this as if you were a kid. Start yeah. having fun, mm-hmm. and then you'll get more out of basketball because when it's over, it's over. That's what any job. Now, we talked about mm-hmm. earlier people not yeah. liking their job. Mm-hmm. Like You have to find some level of enjoyment mm-hmm. in it and have fun with it. Um, that's why I go to work and I'm making fun of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm probably the biggest bully <laughs> in the school as assistant principal when it comes to my <laughs> staff. But um, you got to have some fun when you're in there mm-hmm. and love what you do. Um, and I know that's not the final step. So, you know, the next step mm-hmm. hopefully um, hopefully is coming yeah. soon. But. So I do have another question for you guys. So how, how did you guys go from being the man on your team, mm-hmm. then going to the next level and realizing, man, I'm not the man. I'm 
so far away from them. And like, how did you, how were you guys able to handle that when you seen somebody that was clear cut better than you in your position? How did you guys handle that? Well, for me, like when I went to St. Joe's, it was we were all high school all Americans, mm. and you know there were a couple players better than me. I mean, you just have to fill your role. Okay. Um, winning the state championship and, and before that beforehand in high school, you know, I could see that I knew what I, I knew my team needed me mm-hmm. to do A, B, and C. Then you go to a higher level, you may not need to do all the things that you've mm-hmm. done as the man. You may need to do a piece of it. Mm-hmm. I needed to rebound and play defense. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so happy about it. <laughs> Wasn't so happy about it at all. I played a totally different game in college than I did mm-hmm. in high school. Um, but then I was there, and by the time you're there, you have to learn what you can do, anything that's going to help the team. Okay. So you got to put your ego aside a little bit and say, hey, you got you got to help the team out now. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you can, maybe you can't shoot as much as you did in high school. Not getting those 20 shots a game anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, 20. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad night. That's a bad night. <laughs> I'm not giving a hand. <laughs> but um, but you, you, you have to, again, that's, that's learning, you know, on and off the court what you can do mm-hmm. in your own, wherever you're at, wherever system or social community you're at, you got to find your way, your best way to contribute. Mm-hmm. And... and you know, if you're humble enough, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you can make it work. That's how I learned. When I came back here to, to Rowan, mm-hmm. I wasn't in shape. But I was out, out of the game with heart surgery for a year. Mm-hmm. And I had to play my part. I was just mm-hmm. defender and a rebounder. Mm-hmm. And then in the final four, I got a tip in. I would stay persistent and try to do, do what I had to do at, at a high level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rebound and play defense. Terrence Stewart was the best player in America in Division Three. We had to go after him. So, mm. and I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. My ego doesn't take me out of the game where I just completely, you know, sit out on the bench and cry like a baby. Mm-hmm. But um, that's something that's part of life. You live and you learn. Mm-hmm. And then when I got as a pro, I got in really good shape. And then I was the man overseas. He was a man again. Team. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it, it's you know, it goes up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a lesson for you. I always tell like our players, um, especially guys who don't play as much as they like, and oftentimes they, they could. It's not like you have to make decisions as a coach. Right. I want you to have, and this is I think is the key as a pro, and at times I lost it, is you need to have enough personal confidence to believe mm-hmm. I'm the best option on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, I needed to believe I was a better option than Kobe <laughs> when I was on the Lakers. If mm-hmm. I didn't believe that, I wasn't going to make it. Mm-hmm. And once I started to doubt it at all, I wasn't the same player. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I walked into Lakers camp, I had to believe I'm better than all of you, and I'm taking it at you. Did you tell Kobe that? I didn't tell him. I, I told him my actions. I'm coming at you, you know, and they respected that because I'm coming yes. at you, and I didn't care who you were. I don't mm-hmm. care what your name was, and I mean Kobe's only a year older than me for yes. crying out loud. I get ripped by Kobe. So right. we're married. I'm from Pittman. So what? We're in the Philadelphia Inquirer at the same time. Let's go. Like that was my mentality, okay. and it had to be. Mm-hmm. You can't survive if, yes. if you don't have that. I agree. But. You also need to combine that with the humility to recognize you ain't like that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you know the way I put it to my guys is like, listen, I want you to have the confidence and the belief in yourself that says, if coach had put me in the game tonight, we would have won by 20. Mm. But I also want you to have the humility to recognize, yeah, we might have lost by 20. Too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. you that that's life, mm. man. It's like, yeah, you need to have that confidence. You need to have that swagger. I want all that, mm. but you need to have some humility to recognize. Mm. Yes. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Um, you need both, mm-hmm. and I think emotionally, that a lot of people that's on. Well, I need one or the other. It's not one. You need both. Mm-hmm. You're kind of on different ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and like. The more I'm coaching, the more I'm like, humility's at the core of what we want, mm-hmm. of recognizing, like, you don't have it all figured out. But I don't want you, humility doesn't mean you think less of yourself. Right. It means you think of yourself less. Mm-hmm. Right. Just lose yourself in the good of the team. Yes. And yeah, maybe, maybe I would be a better option, but maybe I'd be a worse option. Mm-hmm. Let's go win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think professionally, that was the biggest struggle for me. And I mm-hmm. lost that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my rookie year in particular, um, had some ups and downs. Um, you know, when I, was on the Lakers and I'm actually on the team in the regular season Mm. then it was like oh shoot I better get this together like Mm. I better perform and I'd I'd lost some of that swagger I had at the Mm. beginning when I was was easier you're playing Mm -hmm. the preseason whatever Mm. 
Then I went three games in the ABA with Scott Brooks, and I recovered it quick because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm the best darn player on the court. Right. And I, I proved it. Mm-hmm. Went back to the Suns, had it again, kept it. And then we had a coaching change, and then I'm not playing, and I lost it again. Mm. You know, And a lot of it was circumstantial. And I, I look back, and I do think there were nights that I had a good argument to say, I know I was a better option tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my skill set at the time didn't fit the NBA. Shooting threes off the dribble wasn't in vogue then. It mm-hmm. is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think you, know, you come back? What's that? You think you come back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, I only wish. I, I always tell people. I always tell people though. For me, you know, again, I want to have the humility to recognize like today's NBA mm-hmm. is so much better than that back then. Mm. So you know, like what Curry's doing. I did. I used to play like Steph Curry. But what he's doing, transition threes, all this stuff, like nobody liked it. Mm, and I, I not just, just wanted, nobody liked not it. I'd get yelled at, and I'm like, I'm shooting 43% for three. Well, <laughs> right. What's the problem? But that was the thing. Mm-hmm. And um, back then, this is 2002, yeah. I could get a three off the dribble anytime I wanted. Mm. But why? Because Clint Capella wasn't mm. switching out on the pick and roll, mm-hmm. it was a slow five man. Mm. You know, Shaq's guarding a pick and roll in the lane. Uh-huh. For the Lakers, and you look back on that film. So I had a skill set that actually was probably more right. valuable back then, but it wasn't valued. Right. And yeah. that's just stuff you can't control. It is mm-hmm. what it is. Right. Um, but now in today's NBA, you had light. to defend like you, that. You light it up. Six seven. You light it up. No, I'm, I don't think I'm making it straight <laughs> up. It? Yeah, because you look at the size of these guys yeah. doing the same skill stuff. There's six five guys doing what right. I used to do. Right. That's the reality, and they can guard multiple positions, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe within that window of where I was, absolutely. Um, but you look at the length and the size, and I mean, you got guys guarding five positions. You got yep. guys. The way yep. these guys, there's more points than ever in the NBA, but the way they defend is light years ahead of the way they defended back in the day. Mm. It's a big time game nowadays, mm. and that's what. People see scores of 140 and they think guys aren't defending. I'm indeed, like, listen, right? <laughs> if you took this team in a time machine, they're beating those teams by 40 right. because of the way they shoot, shoot the ball at five positions, and it's, mm. it's a different game. So, again, I don't lack for confidence, right. but back then it was a simple ball screen and they're going over and the guy's in contained defense. Mm. Nowadays it's a 6'11 guy who's used to guarding guards. Right. Yeah. That's what makes Curry so not amazing. Only on offensive mm-hmm. versatility is defensive. Oh, the as well. defensive mm-hmm. versatility nowadays is yes. unbelievable, mm-hmm. and it's why the big slow centers have a hard time. Right. Uh-huh. So, with all the the mentality that we were talking about today, how do we instill this and teach this in our, our youth? Especially, we're dealing with this uh, trophy. Everyone gets a trophy Ooh. generation right now. Get me going. <laughs> so, how do we how do we teach these kids to have? the mentality of, you know, to have the humility and have the work ethic and, and get in that space that I'm just going to outwork everybody. But we're, we're teaching them, you, as long as you participate, you're still going to, you're going to be a winner no matter what. Here's a trophy. How do we get out of it? Well, I don't think that's the message that's coming from parents. I don't think the parents are telling them before and after practice that when you go in today, you need to make sure you're outworking everybody. Mm-hmm. Not to perfection. Yeah. But you putting forth the effort. effort right. I don't think that's the message. I think the message is, I'll be back. I'm going over here to Walmart, and I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's what that. I think the message is. I don't, well, yeah. or, or it could be even worse. Or it's you're the best person out there, and the coach thinks, and he doesn't realize mm-hmm. how good you are mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. I think there's a balance. It's like because some of it's parental, and, and you know, cult, what's culture? Culture is made up of all of us, mm-hmm. right? kind of the messages we send, you know, because it's parental, but it's also educational. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I, my parents are educators. I'm, I'm a family of educators. And there's that balance in education of doing what's reinforced by parents mm-hmm. anyway. You know, so you're co-educators in, mm-hmm. in a sense. And if parents are encouraging the teachers, like I have in a, in a couple emails of like, what are we doing at recess? Right. Um, you know, and I rarely am involved in the education system. But when it's a lack of recess or it's, or it's adult interference um, in recess, uh, it's a big problem. So I think reaching parents, but I think, you know, the big thing I think culture is creating new structures, um, is creating alternate um, structures and different ways to do things and I've tried to do that through a lot of our, our youth systems in basketball with, through Christmas basketball is if it's not different I don't do it and it you know we, we do Demetrius now on Monday nights you know he'll be running it tomorrow night with a few of other dads who are former coaches is it's simple three on three league and the kids it's a mess 
Would that apply? Mm. Organized. Yeah, it's an organized mess. Mm. I have a 12 year old as the ref, and it's fail, fail, fail. There's there's got to be 300 turnovers an hour, and nobody cares. The kids don't care. Mm. And what people don't understand of what's going on, it's not just they're learning the game of basketball. It's a safe place to fail. Mm. And what we do in our systems, just take basketball for example. Your kid signs up. They all listen to the rules, and the rules are you can't leave the paint, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and it's full of a bunch of cans. Mm, yep. And they all, the kids sit back and go, I don't know what this is, but it's not basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? What am I allowed to do? I can't steal, I can't block, I can't. Yep. So what you've done is you've created this safe environment. Mm. You think it's safe, mm. but you're creating soft basketball players mm. who won't be able to play for me for yep. sure in mm. 10 years. Yep. And you... you so, you know, you create these systems, and I, I had a, a friend of ours who, when he first came, he goes, listen, if I didn't know you guys, I would think this is insane. <laughs> he said, but I love it, because right. you got kids failing all the, all time. the time. And, you yeah. know, I tell this one story of one kid who you could clear, clear as day, he was new to the game of basketball. And my belief is the game teaches the game, right. right? And you give a little bit of instruction along the way. Take it out after makes, here's how you do it, boom, let's keep going, let's keep going. All right, you just picked it up and ran with it, let's keep going. Fail mm-hmm. again, fail again, okay, let's take it out of bounds. But not, you know, hard, rigid it's systems just, like right. this, like didactic teaching, that's not how we learn, right? right? It's organic, it's right. failure. And, you know, there was a kid who was new, and he's playing against my son, who's been watching basketball since he literally <laughs> could put the headphones on and come to my pro games. Right. And he'd hold the ball right like this. And sure enough, my son walked up and he goes, whoop, take it out. <laughs> and then he did it again. And he did it again. And he did it again. And I'm the ref in the game. Right. And I'm thinking, this is a test for me. Because right. on one hand, I want to tell my son, don't do don't that. Do that right. isn't even fair. Right. But on the other hand, my belief is, this kid's going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So we keep telling the kid, remember, you got your pivot flip. Remember, you can move the ball. Remember, seven times the ball is taken out of this kid's hand. And I'm sure his mother and dad was like, what, what league did I sign up yeah. for? Yeah. On that eighth time, he just pivoted, moved the ball, moved the ball, moved the ball, and he made a pass. Mm. There you go. What? Right. If, we, if he played in the league where you're not allowed to do everything, mm-hmm. he never learns the game. He had to fail. And it's really hard, and, and parents have a hard time. And, you know, there's some, you know, one of our next leagues is, you're not even allowed in, parents. Mm. And kids are going to call their own fouls and they're going to do these other things. And it's like you have to create these new structures mm. for kids to get what we used to get. You want to say something about structure? It sounds like a playground. It sounds like a playground. Just over yeah. the world. That's how we grew up. And it's necessary. Yeah. Right? It, 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 we're setting our kids up again to just be coddled and, and mm. give them everything. Right. And, and, and you take the competitors away. Right. When you fail, you want to – that's okay. When we lost our junior year, we thought – we had Thurman Parker. Mm. We was going to be everybody in the state. And we lost to Salem. Couldn't even get our own gym. I'm still pissed for them. <laughs> Wait, y'all lost to who? Salem. Salem. Sa- like Salem, Delaware kind of like no, Salem? No, no. Salem High School. No, Salem was better. They were good. Look at Robinson. Robinson brothers. Yeah. And they, they scored 42 points. The other brothers scored 38. Yeah. I'm still that. <laughs> because still, like, I can I see. I can see that. It's coming out of your head. Like... But the, oh, wow. you, but if I if I would have been fostered and coddled, I wouldn't have had that mm. feeling. Mm. You know, that feeling would never be mm. there. I was just, oh, okay, this is just another playoff game. It's okay. Mm. But you you, you got to fail. You gotta the have the that. park did, did that a lot for us. Interrupt for a second. It sounds like I've listened to a lot of these stories. It sounds like you guys took a drive to Salem to see if you can go find these two brothers <laughs> to play. No, <laughs> no, no. You ain't going to Salem. Y'all ain't going to Salem. What, what, we did, what we did – as soon as we lost, we're like, we're not losing in the park mm. all summer. Yeah. We're not losing all next summer? year. All oh summer. yeah, we didn't lose all year in the, in the park. Yeah. We had guys come to Philadelphia everywhere. Yeah. We kicked their butts all yeah. summer. We didn't and lose one that was freaking the original game. Summer. That was it. Yeah. And that was another wasn't there. Lesson. Oh yeah, no player on. Yeah. And I think yeah. I don't know if they, there's a there's an old book called Everything I Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Kindergarten, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. I, I need. To, I want to write a book called "Everything I Need to Know I Learned on the Playground," you know, especially about basketball. Right. And yeah. even when you think about the playground, and it, it's not every playground per se, but if you think about playground culture that we've lost, when it was full, when there's 20 guys there, when there's four or five teams waiting, mm-hmm. there are so many things you learned about basketball yep. that nobody had to teach you, that no coach had to teach you. And it's like, if he's my, if he's our best player, and we're trying to stay on the game. Mm-hmm. 
and old boy wants to shoot every time, mm-hmm. he's out. He's not playing. We're <laughs> kicking him out right now. He's not getting the ball. So you're going to learn your role here yeah, yeah. because so we're not true. sitting five yeah. games. So yeah. what taught the role? Not a coach yeah. that nowadays – we have kids in college who have literally not played a season without a coach, mm. and that's yep. why they're not good. Mm. Yep. That's why they're not good because right. they didn't experience what we experienced. No, 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 son. You want to shoot around here? Right. You ain't getting picked up. No. Nope. Mm. Uh-uh. You're not playing here at all because yeah. we know you're a gunner. Yeah. You're not a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And you play through your best players. That's mm. basketball. You hey, play through your best players. Make sure I'm you you walking out the court with five, and you're saying, I got next. Um, I need one. Is that what you're telling me? Because you didn't cut somebody? You didn't cut somebody. Oh, somebody heck yeah. 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 It's full. Yeah, and not only that, a lot of guys got cut because of what they did the day before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you think about the playground, that's what happened. Yeah. There wasn't a coach or mom and dad saying so and so's got to play because I paid my money. Like heck no, uh-huh. this is not a this is not a uh, pay for play yeah. system. Yeah. This is you need to earn it. Yeah, so the things you learned on that playground mm-hmm. about offensive basketball, about defensive basketball, it's like you knew your role, you knew who your best players were, you knew where they needed to get mm-hmm. the ball. Nobody told you these things. Right. That's what you do on offense at the highest level. And we did it on the playground mm. just to play. Yeah, yeah. And, and nowadays yeah. they pay for the tournament. And the only, and this, I, you think about the entire structure of our youth system. I always, and I've asked our guys. I said, "What's your motivation to play to win right. on the weekend?" And they say, "To play on the best courts." I said, "Why?" Because that's where all the scouts are. I said, "So who does it still come back to? Mm. It still comes back to you, yep. right? And it still comes back to you being seen. It still comes back to you being known." It's still back to, back to you getting where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And on the playground, it was about us mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. It was about me court. playing, staying on the court. Yeah. It wasn't about being seen. It yeah. wasn't. Man, we have kids and parents losing their minds because they're worried about coaches seeing mm-hmm. them in the freshman sophomore year. And I'm at Rowan. I don't even know their name. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't even know your name. Right. And I'm a Division three coach. Right. Who's watching? That's what you know. You, you need to relax and be a good teammate. And then yeah. not only, what am I watching? You think I'm watching your game? I'm watching your parents. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm watching. And I'm watching your body language and watching how you cheer on the bench mm-hmm. and the guys yep. who give water. Like, you don't know what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? it's, right. it's crazy. We're losing our minds. Right. The park taught me that how to play, find my role. Because yeah. I was younger than everybody else. They wasn't giving me the ball. So I either had to rebound or I had to defend. The reason yep. I became a good mm-hmm. defender is because I knew I wasn't needing I had to become an asset on that team somehow. Yep. So I'm going to play defense. I'm, I'm going to get the ball because I'm going to steal it from somebody. Not okay. because somebody else is passing it to me. So even business, life, mm-hmm. you have to find your role within the, within whatever system that you're, you're, you're in mm-hmm. in order to, you know, for the greater good of that okay. system, not necessarily just for you. Um, so that that's definitely something I learned on the court. I wish we could open up this thing. I have, I have. I don't even think kids are out there. No, no, they are. I tell you all the time. Yeah. I told you all the time. I'm gonna be dropping my kids. My off. kids yeah, and when the spring comes, they get off the bus and like that, and want to do my homework. And we, can we go to the court? Yes, you can. And I told Joe all last spring, bring them. I told him I'll release. Right. And I sit under Probably the tree or sit in my car right. and just be on my phone and know that, and they figure everything out. Mm. Because when you go to that park. And you see all them cars parked. You see all the people standing on the side of half court. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yo, we better win. Mm-hmm. We're not sitting on. We come here to mm-hmm. sit on the freaking side. Uh, so yeah. it's all about us. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you said, it's just not about me, 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 me. What they're doing now, we got. We, we want to be out here until the lights come on. Yep. Until yep. the lights go off. Yep. And we're not sitting on the freaking side, so we got to all win. We got you know, to do this together. Yeah, I want to make the decision to be like, all right, I'm done. I'm tired. Like, yes, you know, yes, like, yes. I don't want to yep. be, yes. all right, I'm out of here. Now that you said that, in the park, what's your highest streak of winning games? How many games in a row you win? One day. Well, there's different ones because it's like. It, you didn't lead a court. That's you, kind of you could I leave. I mean, you could win four or five at a great, you know, I remember some great days at Ocean City 34th Street. Oh. I remember and those days. If you win four or five on that day, you day. feel like a great day. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times you win nine or ten on another park, and it didn't mean that much because it wasn't that good. Well, but you know, Street mean? was real because you had Seven Eleven right. Was that was real because you had. Well, I mean, Seven Eleven right across the street. I remember that. And yeah, I remember. I mean, I had Thirty Fourth Street one year um, where I had a Tyler Smith who I played with at Penn State, and my brother, and a couple other like local guys, and I know we lost. Mm. What's that tell you? Like, we, mm-hmm. we could play. Yeah, right. So I don't even know. I don't remember who we lost to, but it's like we were going at it yeah. in that park, and there was somebody waiting, and, you know, we were battling. 
to keep playing. It wasn't battling to be seen by there was nobody there. Yeah, we didn't yeah. care. Jerry West wasn't there. You know, <laughs> nearby. We, wasn't, we were just battling to play. And there's a dynamic there that uh, it's it's missing, and it's sure it's sad. And you see it, and I see it. And I tell I tell parents all the time because probably half the things people think I'm doing with youth sports is a little nutty, like mm-hmm. three on three legs for, for first graders where the ball's flying all over the place and mistakes are made. And I just say, listen, like, most of my life is spent where this ends. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, a youth, I'm not the normal youth sports guy who is only into youth sports so they can win the weekend. Right. I know where this ends, and it doesn't end pretty if we don't do it no, this way. Yeah. You know, like, you see it every day in college basketball. Every yeah. day. <laughs> How many wins? I know you went the whole summer. How many wins one day? Uh, we didn't count the wins. It was just, you better, we just had a win. You might know the losses better than the wins. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't, my, going into my senior year, we did not lose a freaking pickup game at all. Mm. And it was, you know. All because of that Salem game. All because okay. of that Salem game. Yes. The lesson learned. Yeah, the lesson was learned. And now I'm bringing my kids out there. When the mm-hmm. weather gets nice, they want to go. And mm-hmm. I'm like, go ahead. You figure everything out. You got an argument? I don't care. Figure mm-hmm. it out. Well, you, even, you look at like, the interpersonal stuff. Um, you look at I, I always say, like, if, we, if we went back in the time machine and we watched some of our pickup games, we'd be like, yeah, we stopped. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we didn't. We heard like, Because a lot of times you, you have revisionist history and you're like, Oh, we just went at it on the playground. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Like, I got some videotape. Y'all didn't go at it. But you were having fun. You're joking. You're right. laughing around. And yep. then you kick your buddy off and tell him to go home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't like you this day. And then, then you only had, then you went 13. And you're like, all right, let's play seven on six. Yeah. Or if you had 11, you went six on five because you had the young kid. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, dynamics that I'll use in drills that really are, that's mm-hmm. what we did anyway right. without yeah. it. And, mm-hmm. and it was just, organic and it was whatever and you use your creativity and well, you, there's a lot of development components to that that um, you know again there, there are things you have to learn but you have to be forced to learn right you know and a lot of times kids don't have space to learn it it's just the coach telling them what to do next huh. one last thing I want to do talk about before we get out of here at some point you realize the career was over I need to reinvent myself um what, what, what was that moment for you when you were just like, all right, I need this, this it's enough. I need to do something else. Like, what made you get into coaching, or what made you make that that transition? My journey was unique. I, I was probably midway through my career. I thought I was going to be a pastor. Like, probably about three years in my career, I was I was studying theology and all this stuff, and really, it was through studying theology that I was actually like struck. And, and one of the things that Lord used in my life was Frank Reich, mm-hmm. you know, the head coach at Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. He was the president of the seminary, and I emailed him. I said, I need some books. I need to figure out why I'm doing this. Like, I'm hooping. Why am I hooping like this? Like, mm-hmm. my body's hurting. Mm-hmm. I'm 27, 28 years old. Like, right. what am I doing? <laughs> and so he did. He sent me some great ones. And I and during that time, it was like a period of shift where I was like, what am I thinking? You know, like, I'm the son, grandson, nephew, coaches. I'm mm-hmm. coaching. Right. And it became very clear to me. And then kind of the rest of my career, I enjoyed it more because I knew I was I knew I was going to be ready to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really I didn't really retire. I kind of just kept saying no to jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had had some injuries and it was just so awkward. I just mm-hmm. kind of kept saying no. And I'm like, you know what, if I don't if I don't retire now and get coaching, I knew I was going to play another four or five years. And I just wasn't ready to yeah, I just knew I wanted to get going. And I had a vision for doing something else. And the moment that happens, you can't keep playing pro ball. Like, you got to be all in, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, the moment you lose kind of that wonder of a kid of keeping improving and adding new things to your game, and, and be, maybe because of the injuries or whatever, I kind of lost that. I wasn't adding, or I wasn't as motivated to add. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt maybe a little too much like a job. And you know, I look back now and I'm like, shoot, what the heck was I thinking? Because I said no to some good contracts. But it does show me that I was ready to move on. And, and I think a lot of guys struggle. I tell any guys, like young guys, if they're thinking about it, I said, you better know what you want to do. Because if you think you're just going to chill it out, you're going to lose yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I was, it wasn't easy for me, but it was way easier because I knew this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And it was go time. Well, mine was, um, I have a good friend in Sweden. He's American, but he's been in Sweden for many years, Dan. Yeah. And um, after he coached me, uh, 1999, 
he said, whenever you're done playing basketball, you got to come coach with me because mm-hmm. the way I can pass the ball, right. you see everything. Yeah. You see it before it happens. He was like, you're going to be a coach one day. I'm like, yeah, forget it. We're talking about coaching. <laughs> I need to sit down when I'm coaching. But uh, it, in 2003, the Argentina, uh, midway through the season, Dan called me, see how I was doing. He was like, hey, my son's are starting to grow up. This one is old as Chris was yeah. starting to play. He was like, you want to coach my son? Because me and him always butt heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll come back. And I, so I, after I finished Argentina, I came back and coached right away. Mm. Um, and I remember coaching the international tournament down in the southern Sweden. And we played teams from Greece, we played teams from Spain, from Netherlands, from all over Europe. And we won the whole thing. Mm. And I'm like, this is fun. And mm, there, yeah. there, there were seven, eighth grade kids. Mm. And I won an international tournament. I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely loved it. And, right. and from then on, then I got moved up to Coastal Professionals that later that season mm. in Sweden, and I just took off from there. I just loved the game, and then I started working with the NBA in Italy and and uh, learned a lot of things from Fran Fischilla. He's a he's a really big mentor of mine, and 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 then I just took off from there. Mm. Um, I always knew I wanted to stay in the game, either scouting or something like that. I had an opportunity to scout, but that would have been I would. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're around the world right. all, all year round, and at some you point I didn't have kids. No, and you don't get to win. Exactly, exactly. My brother's a broadcaster. He says I don't get to lose. I said you also don't get to win. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> true. I never lose. Yeah. I said you also never win. I yeah. like to win. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like to compete. Yes, that's yes, yep. So what I did, I mean, I I love it, and I love, you know, learning new things about coaching and, and all the ex- different experiences, all the different the different uh, philosophies that you learn from different mm-hmm. coaches in mm-hmm. different parts of the world. Um, so I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do it. Um, I didn't know I was ready at first, but then I got some help and I got fostered into to doing it. And I had an opportunity in Sweden. I started there and coached some really good young players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true for you. Sorry, is one of the reasons I look back and I'm like, I, I should have always known I was going to coach and I, I think this is, this is a, something I use with players and like when kids are trying to find out what they're supposed to do in life, I often just ask them, what bothers you the most? Hmm. And poor coaching bothered me like crazy. <laughs> and, and I experienced my share of it poor professionally. <laughs> I played for a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, you know, and even guys, like even into my NBA career where it was like, I'm 43% from three, hmm. and you don't want me to shoot. Uh, I didn't understand it. Right. I, was tw- I, I, mean, I remember saying to Dan Marley, I, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. I can make this any time. It's the easiest shot in the world for me. And we, I think that's poor coaching. Well, mm. it was. Yeah, it and we know the <laughs> analytics now tell you it was. Right. And, you know, the instincts, my high school coach had better instincts than NBA guys, uh-huh. right? Um, but even throughout my career, it was like I took a ton of notes of what I didn't like. And I do think it's a good bit of advice. Like, mm. oftentimes, what bothers you the most is a good indication of what you should be doing, doing something about. Right. You know, so mm. it could be in any walk of life. Yeah. So my question yeah. for you guys, for, even for you, because you coach as well, do you chuckle when you outcoach somebody? Not even even when you don't have the most talent. Do you chuckle when you know what they're going to do before they do it? For me, I do a lot. I do a lot of video work, mm. and I try to be prepared as much as I can. I don't really chuckle. I, I want I want my players to give me joy. Really, you never laughed at a coach when you like you calling this. Never. I, I, okay. I yeah. mean, I'm see I'm petty. I'm petty. I'm petty. I'm petty. I'm petty. A couple times with a coach is trying like, what are you trying to do? But I want the players to enjoy enjoy all that. But but yeah, you kind of know going in, this coach ain't ready to close the game. Well, it is satisfying. I mean, that's part of the competition. Yeah. And so you chuckle. Yeah, you I probably do more chocolate, <laughs> but I think you know I'm a competitor. But also, it's also like I always think the way I approach coaching too is it's not what I do in the game is not nearly as important as what's come before the game. Yes, you absolutely. Know, like you know, you create an identity. You you know, get guys on mission. You, you help guys try to do the best you can to understand roles and, and embrace just the team atmosphere. And like at the end of the day. Yeah, you got some simple strategies and, and whatever else. Like, to me, that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the game and it's, you know, and I probably the influence of my dad and grandfather. Like, my dad used to sit down, mm-hmm. you know. I used to sit behind him at Glassboro High School and I'd 
he wouldn't say much. And their approach was always, yeah, the game is the performance. And right. You make a few adjustments, but at the end of the day, you are who you are. Right. And that's how I approach it. So that's where the satisfaction comes in, where to me as a coach, the, satis- the most satisfying things are the things that happen spontaneously that nobody would ever think you deserve any credit for, mm-hmm. but it's the stuff you've done every day, and all of a sudden they just think it, they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did. Right. Mm-hmm. But why? Why? Yeah. Because I set the stage for it, and that's the satisfying thing. Yes. That you can't. That's kind yes. of behind the scenes, and that's where you get the chuckle. It's like, mm-hmm. I know how to handle that. Right. <laughs> so we're going to wrap this podcast up. Um, I want you guys to end this with um, some advice for parents that have these athletes that they think are going to... Mm-hmm be super duper great because a lot of people follow us are parents mm-hmm. specifically mothers who have kids that are active um, and I just think that the way the system is right now is giving them a false sense of what is to come so what advice would you give uh, parents that, of, of athletes for me and I kind of learned this from Joe is if your kids are enjoying it let them keep playing if they're not enjoying it, if you're you're always chastising and you know pointing fingers at them and breaking down their game, mm-hmm. you're also breaking them down as a person. Right. Let your kids enjoy it. If they don't enjoy it, they don't have to deal with it. I tell my own kids that. I tell I tell people all the time the greatest gift my dad gave me was he didn't care, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, he did care. I mean, if I asked to go to the gym, he went to the gym. If I asked him for help with my jumper, he gave me help with my jumper, and my pop would do the same. But at the end of the day. They didn't care whether I was a good player or not right. um, at all. Mm. You want to do it? Sure. You don't? We don't care. Right. You don't want to work? We don't care. There, wasn't, there was no emotional attachment to my success mm. at all. Yes. And that was, the, and for both my parents, um, was my, and my whole support system, they didn't care. The weight I had on my shoulders was my weight. Mm. It wasn't anybody else's. And I, do, I want to give that. I want to push my kids to be great. But at the end of the day, the question is always, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to do this, I'll help you, right. and I'll tell you what you need to do. Right. If you don't, I don't care. And I think that's part of it. When you really get back to it, it's like, what do you want for your kids? What's your vision for mm-hmm. your kids? And I, I often tell you know, friends and, and parents, I'd say, listen, like, what do I want for my kids? I don't care if my kids play <laughs> right. Division One basketball. And not to mention, the price you have to pay to do that, mm-hmm. I don't know you want to put that on your yeah. kids. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they're getting into. into like, it's a price to be paid, mm-hmm. and it's not a price that anybody can pay but that individual. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to pay it. It was a price. But what do you want for you? I, I want my kids to to be live healthy lives, right. marry well, have kids, be be semi near me. That'd be that'd be a, that'd be a blessing, <laughs> right? I hope it's semi. I hope I hope I hope it'd be real near. Yeah. Right? If it's a blessing, I mean, right. some of them you don't know, but. The, you know, if that's your vision, like recrafting, and I think a lot of parents need to ask themselves, what really is my vision for my kid? Because mm-hmm. you get caught up in the system and the culture and this environment, and it's in education and in sports mm-hmm. where it's just, we need to be successful in this and that. And then you got to ask why. Right. For what? What are we after? For yeah. what? Right. And you see the end, the end results <laughs> of this aren't what you really, really want. Mm-hmm. So asking yourself that and say, hey, if they're enjoying the game and they end up being a nice little high school player and they make friends. Why can't that be enough? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, and exactly. some reason it's not enough. Right. It's like, they, well, we need a scholarship. Do you know what comes with that? <laughs> you don't. And I don't even know if you want that for your kid. Mm-hmm. And so I just think recrafting the vision is a big one for mine. And I, I have to check myself just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. The logic goes over six. Three, you know what I mean? It's a stupid little seventh grade game. You know, like right. you do. But then you got to ask yourself, what is this? This is about relationships, right. hopefully for life. Yep. And mm-hmm. if you live there, I think a lot of things take care of you. And you see the most successful guys, that's usually where where they end up. Is mm-hmm. They've had some supportive people who really didn't need them to do anything. Right. You know, that often matters more than anything else. Right. Mr. Petty, any last words before we get out of here? It's real simple. Parents, you should not be working harder than your kids. Plain and simple. Mm. If it's going to be their dreams, then they have to go put the work in. Mm. Support them. It's good. But for the most part, you can't be out working because they're not going to be able to enjoy the process. Right. And understand that uh, it's their dream and not yours. And Stop living vicariously through your children. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had your shot. Mm -hmm. It's their time. Um, something I try to instill in my kids is just I just I don't care what you do, just do the best that that you can at it. 
Um, yeah. And I'll be that parent that'll yell and scream at the soccer matches. But when you mm-hmm. come off that that field, I'm saying, did you have fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you enjoy the game? You know, did a good job, and then we keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So support your kids in that way. Um, I'm all about work ethic because mm-hmm. what you do on that basketball court, soccer field, is going to transition into life. Mm-hmm. You're a lazy person player, you're going to be a lazy person in life. Um, so I'm all about work ethic. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. I know it was a long time coming. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And, uh, yeah. it, was, it was a good, good was topic, good. man. Hopefully you do it again. Yeah. So until, um, actually, like I said, in February, we're still doing this health and, and fitness and sports um, uh, theme. Hopefully we'll move into music <laughs> the next month. Um, I think uh, we're going to get Melanie down and we're going to have an exercise class. We're going to work on that. And Dude, we're not doing no Zumba. No Zumba. <laughs> I need to join. You want to win? I'll join. We did talk about possibly doing like um, beer, was it beer yoga? Beer yoga. Yeah, we get into yoga positions and you drink a beer. Oh, man. I don't know if I can do that. Perfectly can. Uh, my knees, my knees are too funny. <laughs> so make sure you follow us on iTunes, yes. uh, Podbean, you name it, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. We actually got a lot of people from Sweden following us now. I don't know how that happened, yeah. but they, they, the he's, numbers he's are famous. Fine. That's why. Hey, Sweden. I just said, hey, Sweden. Say it again. Hey, Sweden. You ain't learned that on Stan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, stay about. All right. <laughs>